Welcome to it, welcome to it. It is a little after 3 o'clock on a Monday afternoon, so you guys know what time it is. It is time for your Monday episode of Talk That Talk. I am your host, Terrell Chatterbox Emerson. I'm looking around the studio because I'm the only one in here today. I'm the only one in here. Ironically enough, something actually came up for my guy, Matt Raftery. Matt is next door. (laughs) Matt's next door recording his show as we speak. So, this is business as usual. We're going to carry you along as business as usual. Once again, welcome to your Monday episode of the Talk That Talk radio show. Again, if you are unfamiliar, I am your host, Terrell Chatterbox Emerson. Welcome, gang. Um, just bef- as we always do, before we go ahead and get too deep into it, we want to go ahead and start you guys out with our social medias. In case you guys want to follow us on Twitter, you guys can find us at Talk That Talk LV. Once again, if you want to follow us on Twitter, you guys can find us at Talk That Talk LV. I'm alone in the studio, and my mic is still hot. Like, even in, maybe I'm just loud, right? It's got to be something. But regardless of the fact, my mom sent me a couple of tip-ins today. And I'll be honest with you guys. Actually, before we do that, let's finish the social medias, right? My brain is all over the place. Let's go ahead and finish social medias again. Our Twitter is at TalkThatTalkLV. Once again, our Twitter is at TalkThatTalkLV. Any other platform that you guys want to find us, I'm talking Facebook, Instagram, uh, well, SoundCloud, any, anywhere else, anywhere else that you guys want to find the radio show, you guys can find us at Talk That Talk Radio Show once again. Now, my mom sent me a couple of uh, tip-ins. Now, to be honest with you, hmm, we got a, we got a lot on the, on, on the docket today. And my mom sent me a, a, a variety of tip-ins, and I'm wondering, I'm wondering if I want to kind of keep it generic or if I want to go in a particular direction. We do have some football early with this nightly news. Hmm. I think I got this. Let's do this one. I don't even want to mispronounce the last name. So I don't want to give this person. I'll give this person blanketed credit. By me saying this person's name is Thomas. Thomas L is what I'm going to go with. I don't. Again, I don't want to butcher this last name. However, my mom's tip in for today is having a great game is not the result of spontaneous combustion. You have to light yourself on fire. Once again, the tip in is having a great game is not a is, excuse me. Having a great game is not the result of spontaneous combustion. You have to light yourself on fire. I like that tip in because it's not simply relegated to sports and, and, and games for that matter. You have to kind of light yourself on fire with whatever you do. If you believe in it, you have to kind of go full steam ahead. And that's what we're going to do. And we're actually going to start today's conversation what, what, same, the same way we would, we would have done so, rather, if Matt was in this particular studio with us. But we're going to start in the National Hockey League and start with some Vegas Golden Knights. Now, it's funny how sports pan out, right? Because 
Matt came in here on, on Thursday and said, well the, well, the Knights have to win out. And, of course, that's kind of been the conversation around the city. And then you are reminded that hockey is such a unique league, such a unique league, considering what the points mean in the standings. That said, regardless of how you slice it, especially coming off of the loss to the New Jersey Devils at home, mind you, not a lot of people were expecting another slip-up to a lowly team. In this particular situation, in this particular case, let's talk about the San Jose Sharks. Already eliminated from postseason contention. Headed into Vegas, facing the team in the thick of things. Trying to make it, right? We talked about lighting yourself on fire, right? All right, let's see where this goes. You're reminded that hockey is such a unique league because, yes, the Golden Knights did drop this game to the Sharks by a final score of 5-4. to four. However, it came in the form of a shootout. So it wasn't a flat-out regulation loss for the Vegas Golden Knights. So they stay alive. They stay afloat, right? They stay afloat. I haven't even heard Matt's take about this yet. I heard his raw emotion last night, considering that he was at the game. So I heard the kind of in-the-moment reality. I can tell you guys one thing that he said to me. And people looked at me like I was nuts in November. November seems a long time ago, right? Maybe it is. But this is what I have for you. One thing that's been consistent about Matt, he's questioned and oftentimes, more times than not, doubted that the Knights would even get to the postseason. That's what he's referring to when he says people looked at him as if he was nuts in November. He said it early. Now, you look at this team's payroll, and I've said it before, this team couldn't afford not to make the postseason. Now, one thing I will admit, and I'm kind of getting ahead of myself a little bit, but I'll let you guys know, whenever we get to the standings portion of this Vegas Go Tonight segment, it's a foregone conclusion. You guys can forget the division. Forget the division. Just forget it. Don't worry about that. Matt told me to forget about that a while ago, too, but I fought him on it. I fought him on it tooth and nail. Between us, personally, guys, before I let him know, I'm going to put it on record. 
Matt was right again. What's more heartbreaking about this loss, aside from the Knights being at home, aside from the Knights having won the last 11 straight against San Jose, the Knights led by two goals in the second period in this one before ultimately losing in a shootout. Now, as a matter of fact, this is not something that I was thinking about doing, but we've seen it several times throughout this season, right? The chips fall where they may and the standings kind of go where they go. However, I'm going to point out a couple of losses to you guys. Matter of fact, maybe I work backwards. We have San Jose on Sunday, right? You have a 3-2 loss to New Jersey. A week ago on Monday. Where else are we going? You have five straight losses from March 8th to March 15th. You lose five of six from February 9th to February 26th with your only win coming against San Jose. You lose five of seven from January 8th to January 27th with both of your wins coming in one-point variety. One-point fashion, I should say, right? That's just the calendar year, guys. This is just the evidence that you have in this calendar year for what Matt told you and kind of prepped you for in November. We talk about the reality <laughs> of these Vegas fans as a whole. People still, maybe they should. Let me actually preface this by saying maybe they should. They're still holding on to a glimmer of something in terms of this Vegas Golden Knight team. I want to actually highlight, in case you guys cared, before we get into what matters and the standings, right? In terms of the wild card standings, in my humble opinion. And to be honest, I'm not even I'm not even sure if the Knights Actually, I think the division is technically still alive based on how wild hockey can be. But maybe that's something I'll check with Matt after the show just to kind of be sure of. But in case you guys are wondering, let's go ahead and give you guys the division. How does the division look right now? Well, you're not catching Calgary. <laughs> you're not catching Calgary because they're 49, 20, and 10. They have 108 points. They've already clinched the division. 
Ironically enough, this is the same Calgary team that this night squad just beat 6-1 to April 14th. So 11 days ago, this team takes down the best team in the division. Only to just last night have a good portion of their playoff hopes crushed by a team that they had beat 11 straight times. Now here's where I come forth. I said for a while that the first five years of this expansion team, this expansion project, has been unlike any other. Unlike it. The sports world has a way of balancing out. By nature, that would mean five years of what? Falling into obscurity? Barely missing the postseason? Whatever it looks like, this may be part of the start of it. I understand you guys got some guys locked up. However, that limits flexibility. We're seeing it this season. To the point to where everybody can't even be active at the same time for injuries first, right? And then contractual reasons. So let's get back to this division really quick. So you're not catching Calgary. Despite the 6-1 win, get that out of your head. Let's talk about Edmonton. Edmonton's already clinched their ticket to the postseason. They're 46-27-6. They have 98 points. And just behind them, those L.A. Kings are staying afloat. They're 43-27-10, 96 points on the year. Guys, your Knights are six points behind the third-place L.A. Kings. Now, the Knights are 42-31-6, again, with those 90 points. They are three points ahead of Vancouver. But let's get to the wild card, right? Let's get to what matters in terms of feeling comfortable. Of course, if you wanted to take care of some business earlier, then maybe you would feel comfortable with your division. But that's not the case for this year's Vegas Golden Knight team, who, mind you, I do admit, have dealt with injuries all season long. William Carrier actually just played for the Knights after missing quite some time last night. But let's talk about this wild card and how does it shape up. You have Nashville at the top with 94 points. And just behind them, you have another team that I told you guys early in the year, similar to the L.A. Kings. I just felt you can kind of pencil them into the postseason. And it was the Dallas Stars. 
And they currently occupy the second wild card spot in the Western Conference with 93 points. Now, here's where you get to the nitty-gritty. You have three games left. Three games left in the regular season for the Vegas Golden Knights. But all three are on the road. And you wonder the weird thing about going on the road is it wouldn't be that bad if he took care of business at home. We prefaced and kind of looked at the Knights and previewed the Knights' last six games of the season. Three were at home. Three were away. The Knights have completed their three games at home. The Knights leave with a one and two record. Well, a one, one and one record. To add more on to it, they believe Robin Leonard is done for the season. Now, I know we've heard that before. Who knows, right? Who knows if it's the case, if this is the case. But regardless of the fact, regardless of, who, of who's in between the pipes, whether it's Robin Leonard, whether it's Logan Thompson, the final three games are on the road, and you start at Dallas. This is the time to make some noise. You want their spot. In the postseason, go take it from them. It happens tomorrow night, 5.30 p.m. But keep in mind what happens when that puck drops. It means a loss in regulation means elimination for the Vegas Golden Knights. That's the point of the season that we're at. We'll see what happens. We'll see what lies ahead for the Vegas Golden Knights. Now, I didn't necessarily plan on this. Pardon. Becoming a thing until it kind of became a thing. But I think we're going to. We're gonna format this as nightly news as long as it as long as it overlaps in terms of their two seasons. But we're gonna go straight from the Vegas Golden Knights into the Vegas Nighthawks. And of course, both Bill Foley franchises. Let's break down where the Nighthawks, where the Nighthawks, excuse me, are coming off of the conversation that we just had about the Golden Knights. Again, if you guys are just tuning in in our Facebook live stream, we appreciate you guys. Thank you. Just a little precursor, just to kind of let you guys know, there may be a possibility that there's some news coming soon about the way that we stream and where you guys can find us. And hopefully it'll be a lot, it'll be a lot easier for you guys and more can tune in live because that's the goal. The goal is to 
create a more fun, interactive live stream for you guys to participate in the show. Maybe we'll have a little bit more to come on that soon. However, in the meantime, let's break down how Vegas looked going to Green Bay. So the Green Bay Blizzard. Vegas had a road trip up to Green Bay, and they, they, they faced the Green Bay team that entered the game, entered week seven, one and four on the year. Entered the season one and four on the year. They actually started the season 0 and four. Now, this is a team that entered the contest last in the East. While the Nighthawks were fourth in the West. How did this one shake out? If I told you guys it was a tale of two halves, it would be an understatement. What if I told you guys that the Nighthawks went into halftime down 34 to 0? Keep in mind, guys, this is indoor football. We're going to get to the specifics in a second. Matter of fact, we're going to take a half to half. But going down in the halftime, down 34 to 0. Gives you a feeling. It it, it kind of sets the tone, right? It's an eerie tone, but it sets the tone nonetheless. What if I told you that the Nighthawks fell down 34 points, but ultimately it started falling down 14 to nothing before ever letting the offense get on the field? Now, penalties and squib kicks ultimately were the difference in the first half. Majority of the penalties came in the secondary for the Vegas Nighthawks. Team's leading interception man, Kyrie McLean, was flagged for an illegal contact on a third and three where Green Bay actually had thrown an incompletion. Maybe you force a field goal try there. Maybe they go for it. Maybe you stop them. Who knows, right? But the penalty negates all of that. Illegal contact. And then later on that drive, quarterback option for the first score of the game. You're down 7 nothing. Team comes out, ready to send the offense onto the field with good field position. What do you know? The team's already up 7 nothing. The home team, rather, talking about the blizzard. They squib it. They get it back. Okay. Locked back in on defense. 
Maybe get a takeaway. What happens on the very first play? Defensive back and former UNLV standout Jericho Flowers was flagged for defensive pass interference in the end zone on the very first play. I'm talking very first play. Now, Jericho was beat deep and just flat out tackled the guy in the end zone. Now, I don't know if, obviously, if either one of them would say that it was a trip up or whatever the case may be. But nevertheless, that was the first play from scrimmage following the squib kick. Ultimately, you guys know that they failed, that, that, that the Knights fell, uh, excuse me, that the Nighthawks, rather, fell down early 14 to nothing, and that was because the Blizzard scored another touchdown on a third and eight, this time through the air, and it was wide open. I'm talking wide open in the end zone. So Vegas got their first possession with seven minutes and 14 seconds left in the first quarter. Nearly eight minutes had elapsed off the clock. And again, this is indoor football, guys. So when one avalanche gets going, it's pretty hard to stop. That's exactly what happened here. You had news of Quarterback Jalen Henderson taking a contract in Japan. So he is no longer with the Vegas Nighthawks. That starting quarterback, Jalen Henderson, former Boise State product. Pardon, Jalen Henderson. So that left converted wide receiver already and backup quarterback, Kyrie Lyles. Take over starting duties. However, the Nighthawks were in dangerous territory because they entered this game with one quarterback on the roster. They felt the effects of that early. In his first drive on the third and five, Lyles was picked off. That's ultimately how Vegas went into the second quarter down 20 to nothing as part of that 31 zip first half. However, they touched the ball again in that first half or in that first quarter, excuse me. And on the third and six, Lyles was sacked. Already down 27 and nothing. Lyles will get one more shot. And I say one more shot because on this particular drive, he took a shot and he stayed down. Stayed down, grasping at his lower, at one of his lower limbs. I believe it was his right leg. I don't want to specify too, too much. More will, will probably come out about that injury today if, if it hasn't already. But he stayed down. So, again, they already entered the game with one quarterback on the roster, which was Lyles, considering the Henderson news. 
So what do you do? Where do you turn? Well, the answer is you turn to Frank Brown. Why is that important? Because while you're trying to help yourself in one aspect, you're 100% hamstringing your, or excuse me, handcuffing yourself in the other aspect. Some of you may say, how so? Frank Brown entered the contest as the team's leading receiver. Can't throw it to herself. But that's what head coach Mike Davis offered to do again. I don't know why. I feel like I just blanked on the name, and now I want to make sure I just said that name right. I don't know why that's bothering me. Um, however, Frank takes over. And I was absolutely right with Mike Davis. I don't know why it just didn't sound right for some reason. I don't know why. Now, it's going to be shaky, right, when you take your first – when you take your, your, your leading wide receiver, when you take any position, other position, and you give them the hardest position on the field in terms of quarterback. Got to be honest, guys, it didn't start well for Frank Brown as he was picked on a second and 23 almost immediately after taking over. He would throw an incompletion on the third and goal the following drive, and then he would be sacked on a fourth and goal. So that's the way it started for Frank Brown. I'm sure Mike Davis and company on the sideline thinking, oh, my gosh, this is going to be one of the longest games ever. Until that switch was hit in that second half. A switch was hit in that second half because Eli Cavalu became the workhorse. He was already the workhorse early, early, considering that there was one quarterback on the roster, but he didn't have much success early. But he did have some success in that second half. He did score a rushing touchdown in addition to a receiving touchdown. He ended the contest with 11 carries for 22 yards in that touchdown and then three receptions for 33 yards in that touchdown. He was responsible for two of the three Vegas Golden Knights, of the Vegas Nighthawk touchdowns. And by the way, guys, this was actually said on the broadcast and I'm happy that I wasn't the only one who felt this way. But I can't think of the gentleman's name at this present moment, but he said Vegas Golden Knights on the broadcast. When he said it, I thought about it, and I said, did I just hear that? And he, re he realized that maybe 20 seconds after and said, I just said Golden Knights. So good to know I'm not the only one out here making this, making this uh, mistake, I should say. But the only reason why Cavalu was able to become a workhorse is because Frank Brown got comfortable.
He got comfortable as the quarterback. He ended the game 8 for 16. Keep in mind, this is your leading wide receiver, guys. He ended the game 8 for 16, 120 yards, two touchdowns, an interception. He was sacked one time. He did tally 41 yards on the ground, rushing the ball nine times. Now, just to give you an idea, Lyles, in the short time that he played, was two for three for six yards with an interception and a sack as well. I'm not sure what happens moving forward. Dalton Sneed is no longer on the roster, in case you guys were wondering. Week one starter. Not sure what happens next. But I do know one thing. This is the franchise that already early on has let you know They'll make changes. They will make changes if they see fit. I truthfully was wondering, and I, again, it's a it's a weird position to be in because you don't want to call for somebody's job. However, it's our job to critique what we see. And if you guys remember the the, the Vegas Nighthawks kicking numbers through the first three weeks or so, they they were putrid. They were horrific, horrendous, egregious. They were bad numbers. They went out and added Nolan Cohorts, former UNLV product. It's been a little shaky. Not as bad as it was to start the season. So this is a team that has no problem shaking up things, especially being in his first season ever, there's no norm. You're setting the president now. You're setting. You're, are you setting the presidents now? Rather, you're setting the 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 culture now. But I know one thing that they're going to want to work on, and they're or that they're working on, I should, should say, and that is getting off of this losing streak. Because as of right now, they just turned back to back losses for the first time in franchise history into a three-game losing streak for the first time in franchise history. This team is tied for fourth now with Duke City, with the Duke City Gladiators, a team that they will see later on this season. With a 2-4 and four record, I would say, do you guys want the good news or bad news first? But unfortunately, this is bad news and bad news. A team that's already on a three-game losing streak is headed to... First of all, they're headed out on the road. So you have another week away from the Dollar Loan Center here in Henderson, Nevada. But to add the cherry on the top of that, you're actually headed to the to Massachusetts rather to play the Pirates, who are the league's defending champs. So not only are you away from home, You're headed to face the reigning defending IFL champs who just so happen to be 4-1 this season and number one in the East. I'm not sure what happens Sunday, May 1st at 10 a.m., but I do know that Vegas – 
will have their hands full taking care or taking on rather the Massachusetts Pirates and are hoping to actually take care of them and take care of business. Speaking of take care of business, baseball is such a long season, right? So just to kind of give you guys an update really quick, we're about 40 minutes into the show. We appreciate you guys for joining us once again. If you guys are listening to the audio uh, post-show, so I guess you could say the podcast version of this audio. If you guys are watching live, if you guys are listening live, we appreciate you guys as much as possible. If you guys want to follow us on social, you guys can follow us on Twitter at TalkThatTalkLV. Once again, if you guys want to follow us on Twitter, you guys can find us at TalkThatTalkLV. Anything else, I'm talking Instagram, Facebook, SoundCloud, any other platform you guys want to find this radio show, you guys can find us at Talk That Talk Radio Show. We have some baseball news wrapping up this first hour. Then we're going to reset, recalibrate. Come right back. Talk some basketball. Ahead of some NFL draft news. And some special news of our own. For Thursday, ahead of the NFL draft. But again, that comes in the second hour. NBA playoff talk and NFL draft talk comes in the second hour. We are wrapping up this first hour with some baseball talk. I got my series worth of notes right here. Like, I don't know if you guys can see it on Facebook. But I literally have my game-by-game box score. Like, I filled it in individually. I don't know if you guys can see that. I filled it in. I filled mine in a little differently than most people. Now we're just getting into a baseball tangent really quick. But nevertheless, another series down from Las Vegas Ballpark. And it's another series split. Well, I called my dad after the game, and I told him, I said, well, it's better than another losing series, right? They haven't won a series, yeah, but they haven't lost one either. Most people would say playing 500 ball doesn't get it done. I'm actually one of those people. Until you look at the early part of this season and the way that the PCL standings look. We're going to get into the specifics of the last series. But I want you guys to just kind of get an idea of what the PCL West looks like. As you would probably assume, the Knights are, the Knights, wow, the Aviators are tied for third place. With a 9-9 record, they're actually tied with the Salt Lake Bees of the Los Angeles Angels organization. However, both of those teams are only a game out of first place. Considering that Reno and Sacramento are 10-8. Somebody at the ballpark recently said, it's a lot of me- excuse me, it's a lot of mediocrity going on in terms of the PCOS. That's exactly what you're getting right now. You're getting a lot of mediocrity. 
I want to give you guys a couple of specifics about this. The Aviators are the only team in the top four with a negative run differential. Reno, who technically sits atop the division, they have a plus one run differential. Sacramento, who's actually tied for first, of course, but technically they're sitting on the bottom as of right now. Both teams winners of two straight. They have a plus 15 point differential. That's where you get to the Aviators who have a minus six. And ironically enough, Salt Lake, who's actually technically, right, in the fourth position in terms of the way these standings are set up, they have a plus 39. They have a plus 39 run differential. So they actually have the highest. I do have good news, though, before we move on to this last series, recapping it, giving you guys some highlights, giving you guys some updates. The fifth team in that division is the Tacoma Rainiers of the Seattle Mariners organization, and they're 5-13 and 13 on the year. <laughs> they're the only other team with a negative run differential. Their mark is negative 55 here 18 games into the year. As a matter of fact, that's the highest mark in all of the PCL. And that's the team that's coming to the ballpark next. That series starts tomorrow. 7.05 is the scheduled pitch time, first pitch. Last season, last season's Aviator team went 8-10 and 10 against Tacoma. Different looking Tacoma team, as a matter of fact, a lot of those Tacoma Rainiers are in the big leagues. We'll get to that team in a second. It's a little wink-wink for you guys. That means we will be talking a little bit of Oakland Athletic Baseball as well. But let's go ahead and update you guys on the way that this El Paso series went. El Paso of the San Diego Padres organization, they're 99 on the season as well. They actually lost their opening night, or uh, opening, yeah, opening night. Uh, nah, let me not say that. Opening si opening game of the series, of the six-game series. Tuesday night, exactly six days ago at this present moment. And you got the second walk-off of the season from Luis Barrea, Barrera, excuse me. And... I think we actually tweeted it out. And it said that Luis just had a knack for the big moment. I may have tweeted it out. One, somebody tweeted it out. It just appears that Luis has a knack for the big moment. He spent the first 18 games of this season kind of hovering in the top five of the PCL in terms of batting percentage, or excuse me, batting average, pardon. So you couple that with the heroics. 
I don't know if somebody else would have came through with the heroics afterwards or if the Knights would have ultimately, or if the Aviators would have ultimately lost that game, those games, I, I should say, they're outright in fourth right now. However, Tuesday's game was a, was a, was a start for Parker Dunchy. I'm going to be honest, guys. This is just something that I'm, I'm just going to follow for quite some time. Parker Dunchy is still without a triple-A home win. I don't know what more to say. Still without a triple-A home win. Was burned by the bullpen again in this this contest on Tuesday. He did get another shot later in the series. As a matter of fact, he got another shot final game of the series. Wasn't the same one he was looking for, but I'll let you guys in on that one soon. The following night, it was a 12-5 win. It was a more comfortable win for the Aviators. However, they can thank a nine-run seventh inning. They can thank that nine-run seventh inning en route to that 12-5 win, but they they had opportunities in the fifth and the sixth where they just didn't come up big, and they they, they couldn't get over the hump. And ultimately, that's exactly what happened in the seventh inning. That particular game was a rehab start for James Caprillion. Go ahead and tap into my notes really quick. If you guys are unfamiliar with James Caprillion, he actually was the opening day starter last season for the Aviators. And even some of the most diehard Aviator fans, they may not know that. And the reason why they may not know that is because they may sit there and say, well, I don't remember James Caprillion so much. That's because it was, it was the only game that he pitched in Las Vegas last season. He was immediately called up to the big leagues and stayed through for the remainder of the season. Keep in mind, he was here on a rehab start. His start on Wednesday, he went four and two-thirds, allowing four runs, all of them earned on nine hits. Struck out five, walked one, 78 pitches again through four and two-thirds. He turned the ball over to Brian Howard, who ended up coming away with the win. Thursday and Friday didn't go the way that the Aviators wanted. Darden Kelly on Thursday night struck out with the tying run in scoring position in a 6-5 loss to El Paso. There were several opportunities early in that game. In addition, matter of fact, I will give you guys specifics. In that eighth inning, there was two on and nobody out before three consecutive outs for the Aviators. Dalton Kelly was the first of those outs via strikeout as well. I 
I know it's going to feel like I'm piling on Dalton Kelly, but all I'm going to do is, first of all, this is a guy in Dalton Kelly who had 27 home runs last season. He struggled in the early going of this season so far, but when he has it together, there's a little bit of pop off of that bat. We've seen him once this season. However, in that ninth inning, after that run was scored, first of all, it was two runs scored, the first of which was off an RBI sacrifice fly from Vimeo Machine. And then the second of which was a solo home run by number three overall prospect in the organization, Shea Lang- excuse me, Shea Langoliers, to cut the deficit to one. From six to three to six to five. In a matter of moments, after that home run to Shea Langoliers, El Paso pitching issued back-to-back walks. Two walks. Prefer striking out Darden Kelly on three straight pitches. I was just talking to Dick Calvert recently, and I shot to D.C. Uh, and if you guys are unfamiliar, D.C. is actually the guy who does the intro in the beginning of the show, um, who says my name and, and everything like that in the beginning of the show. He, he's done. He's the voice on our promo. Shout out to D.C., and of course, he means a lot more to me, uh, just, just, in, just in personal doings and personal work. That's my guy. But I was telling D.C. recently, they say baseball is a grind, right? The early part of this aviator season is showing that to be the case. Jared Koenig had his second start here in Vegas. It's his third appearance, but he had his second start on Friday. I'll be honest, guys. He only gave up three hits, but two of which came to third baseman C.J. Hinojosa. That's the thorn in his side. I know starting pitchers. They, they, they just hate that when they're kind of mowing the rest of them down and it's just one guy that they can't seem to figure out. But the other guy seems to have him figured out. Las Vegas had a slow start to things. But ultimately that's what happens when you score two runs en route to a 5-2 to two loss. However, you flip the scoreboard the following night, 5-2 to two on Saturday, to ensure at least a split in the series, Colin Wiles started and, 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 and responded to his first loss of the year. And how did he respond? He responded by getting his first win of the year. He went six innings. He went six shutout innings. Allowing five hits, striking out four, walking two. Did so on 88 pitches. Vegas didn't have its first runner in scoring position until the sixth inning on Saturday. Still came away with the 5-2 to win. A little more than that, a little more, a little more information on that Saturday game. Ramon Laureano. You guys remember that name? Ramon Laureano is a former, well, I shouldn't say former, pardon. He's an Oakland Athletic who you guys probably haven't seen for quite some time simply because he's been dealing with an 80-game suspension. Saturday was his first rehab assignment or first rehab game, I should say, first rehab start. Went hitless in three three at-bats. He did score the first run of the game, 
for the Aviators on Sunday in the in in, in the matinee, the season, the series finale rather. However, again, he did go hitless the rest of the way and was the final out in the form of a strikeout of another six to five loss for the Aviators. They have had seven one-run finishes this year. They've lost four of those. In case you're one of those people who keeps an eye on everything in terms of trends and what's going to happen with this particular team, maybe that's something to pay attention to. Now, we're getting ready to, to wrap up and head into the second hour. But before we do so, let's go ahead and give you guys an update on the Oakland Athletics. The Athletics and the Aviators both have off days today. As of right now, the Athletics are 9-8. and eight. They're 4-3 and three at home after most recently wrapping up a three-game series against the Texas Rangers, AL West Texas Rangers, in which Oakland went one up and two down. They are now third in the AL West. They're one game behind the Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim, and they're a game and a half. Excuse me. Whoa, I don't know where that came from. A game and a half behind the Seattle Mariners, who actually lead the division. Remember, I referenced those Tacoma Rainiers earlier. That's their big league affiliate. They're leading the AL West as of right now. Oakland heads back to the road, at least they're staying in the Bay, right? They're headed to San Francisco for a two-game series, two-game midweek series. It begins tomorrow at 6.45 p.m. Before we get out of here, I want to go ahead and highlight the good. I can't all only highlight the bad. I want to highlight the good, especially with the Oakland Athletics. We talked about their attendance as of late. Shout out to the organization. Shout out to the city. Shout out to everybody as a whole, as a collective. Because during that three-game series, I'm going to give you guys the three attendance marks. For this three-game series, this most recent three-game series against an AL West rival in the Texas Rangers. On Friday, they brought in just over 7,000, 7,012. Second night, Saturday, they brought in a little over 9,100. They brought in 9,120. And then Sunday, the series finale, they brought in 11,000. 83 people so shout out to the oakland athletics shout out to you guys for rocking with us for the first hour when we come back we're going to talk nba playoffs when we come back we're going to prep you guys for the nfl draft that is actually in vegas yes thursday we got some news for you guys about where we're going to be doing how you guys can catch the show and where you guys can kind of catch the show if you're here in vegas stay tuned for that hour number two of talk that talk coming right up Hour number two of the Talk That Talk radio show. Welcome to it. I am your host, Terrell Chatterbox Emerson. Hour number two of your Monday episode, your Monday dose of the Talk That Talk radio show. Again, I appreciate you guys for joining us. If you guys are listening to this audio after recording, post-recording, I still appreciate you guys as always. Thank you as always. And if you are listening live, I thank you. If you're watching live, rather, on, on Facebook live and on our live stream, I appreciate you. And again, we're planning on... Uh, some changes. We're working on them behind the scenes. We're, we're trying to make some things move and shake back here. And again, we appreciate you guys always rocking with us. We appreciate you guys always being vocal with us, letting you guys know what you want, letting you guys know, letting us know rather what you guys don't want. We just appreciate you guys as always. Um, before we get into our number two and we got some NFL and, and NBA talk, 
Uh, not in that order, but I will let you guys know a couple of things that are kind of going on around the city when it gets to the NFL draft, when we talk about that. And we're actually going to start this by talking a little bit about some NBA. But before we get into all of that, I want to go ahead and let you guys know if you guys want to follow us on Twitter, please do so. Follow us on Twitter at TalkThatTalkLV. Again, if you want to follow us on Twitter, it's at TalkThatTalkLV. If you guys want to follow us on anything else, I'm talking SoundCloud, Facebook, Instagram, anything else, you guys can find us at Talk That Talk Radio Show. Once again, you guys can find us at Talk That Talk Radio Show. Now, let's hop right to it. Get right to it. I want to spend some time on this today. We'll see how long we spend. I, I see how much time I divvied out to it and I'm probably going to alter this as I go. But nevertheless, I don't want to start in the same spot every week. I don't feel like I've started in the same. I feel like I've started in the same spot every week. So let's try to switch it up now. I'm starting the East. And I'm going to start with this Boston-Brooklyn series where the rest of the world is starting, right? Because game four, as a matter of fact, just tipped off. It just tipped off. If you guys want to go ahead and cut on both, please go ahead and do so because we're about to break down this Boston-Brooklyn series as the game is just now tipping off. Boston's up 3-0. Boston has a chance for, for a series sweep. And I'll be honest, at some point I, I began to realize, okay, maybe I could be wrong with this one. Especially with two games in, I could see maybe I could be wrong with this one. And then... You let game three happen. And I say you let because Boston has taken it to Brooklyn in every single game. And granted, Brooklyn got out to fast starts in game one and two, um, primarily game one. But, or I'm sorry, primarily game two. Maybe I'm getting those confused. But it hasn't resulted in a win at any point. They've won quarters. They've won moments. They've won halves. It hasn't culminated in winning a, a complete game and I'll be honest I've told you guys before every loss isn't is, isn't weighted the same or excuse me every win isn't weighted the same every loss isn't weighted the same either I think a first round loss for this team yeah it hurts I think a first round sweep for this team is so damaging I don't know what to make of it because I'm not sure what 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 commit what commitments to changes that they're willing to make. They've already admitted and kind of come out and broke the news that Steve Nash won't be going anywhere. However, I found one thing interesting about that. Steve Nash won't be going anywhere. Maybe Bleacher Report reported this. If I'm wrong, I apologize. But it said he still has the full support of Kevin Durant and Team Governor Joe Psy. I have two questions. Does he have Kyrie's? And do you guys care if Kyrie's aboard? So now 
if I'm just going to go down a rabbit hole. How likely is Kyrie Irving to return to the Brooklyn Nets? If they feel like they can get a haul for him. How much is that me throwing something at a wall, seeing if it'll stick? I don't know. Does that soil your relationship with Kevin Durant? I don't know. That remains to be seen, but we'll see what happens in terms of not only this series but kind of moving forward what happens with both franchises because Boston seems to be in a better state of affairs right Matt appears to continue to be right because he said that Chicago would go home and it wouldn't matter they wouldn't win a game in the United Center I told Matt you're crazy what they're gonna get at least one Matt may be right. The one that they may have gotten may have been game two behind 41 points from superstar. I'm willing to say it. Superstar DeMar DeRozan. However, if we do put DeMar DeRozan, DeMar DeRozan rather in that superstar category. What does it mean? In terms of his productivity. We could say all day long that Toronto, they, they ran into LeBron, right? The, whole, the entire East can say that they ran into LeBron James. But the facts are the facts. Maybe if you don't call DeMar a superstar, maybe that helps his case for his overall legacy. Because he's a damn good star. Not necessarily with the playoff success to show for it. However, they're down 3-1 just like this next series. Actually, the rest of these series are 3-1. But just like this next series we're about to talk about, Philadelphia and Toronto. I don't think in a grand scheme of things that this is going to be a big deal. I do think uh, Philly closes it out tonight. I, I do think that while it may seem like people may try to make it more than what it is, this is just my humble opinion. Maybe if Toronto wins tonight, maybe we got a maybe we got a little conversation to have. But ultimately, I don't think anything is going to change the outcome of this series. I think it'll be a five-game series. Um not even sure what I originally said it would be, but regardless of the fact, Philly had a hiccup. Philly had a hiccup. Joel Embiid with a with a late frustration foul on Pascal Siakam kind of gives you the feel of that locker room and how badly they wanted to close it out and shut out, or excuse me, in sweep fashion. Since they got to come back home for a game five. I think now is when they get it done. I think we get a big night from Joel Embiid. Big, a big assist night, rather, for James Harden. A lot of 
role players kind of going crazy. We'll see what the three-point numbers look like at the end of the game. What happens with Nick Nurse? Does he go to L.A.? Does he go elsewhere? What other jobs will be open? Hmm. Unsure, but I feel like I'm not reporting here, but I feel like this particular seat may be on fire simply because of the the the, the firepower that this team could have in terms of their young stars, but. I'm talking about the Atlanta Hawks as of right now. Atlanta is down 3-1 to one in their series against Miami, headed back to Miami. I guess a Trey Young-led team is a little too tough to, to ever kind of just lie down and, and, and endure a sweep. But I, I do think that Miami, as I said before, they have bigger fish to fry. I think their eyes are set ahead. Um, I don't necessarily believe that their eyes are set ahead of Philadelphia, but Maybe if things were to go their way, I'm not necessarily sure that they're even scared of this revamped version of Milwaukee, considering that in the past two postseasons, this these two teams are one and one. So I don't know, man. Jimmy Butler is carrying around a different energy. And if this team makes a run to the Eastern Conference Finals, perhaps the NBA Finals, maybe we need to have a conversation about that dust-up between Eric Spoelstra, Jimmy Butler, and Udonis Haslam. Matter of fact, shout-out to my guy Mike Hughes, former NFL defensive end Mike Hughes, my guy Mike Hughes, former UNLV captain Mike Hughes, just in case you guys did not know. You guys want me to, to localize it a little more. He's a Miami Heat fan. I hit this man and I said, what's going on with your team? He let me know right away. He said, at the end of the day, this is either going to make or break this team. If they're brothers, they'll get through it. This will make them closer. If they're not, we'll see. And we'll see right away. Keep those words in mind while Miami makes this push towards perhaps its second NBA Finals in three seasons. Let's go ahead and move over to the West and talk about its only game for tonight. And that's game five between Utah and Dallas. There won't be a series winner tonight, but whoever wins tonight will take a stranglehold on the series with it being knotted up at two apiece. Luka Doncic did return, I believe, in game three and returned with a big clutch step-back three-pointer over Rudy Gobert. You know what? And I'm going to go back to this most disrespected defensive player of the year take. While, I, while aside from the fact that I believe it to be true, I think the highlights show it as well. I think the nickname of the Stifle Tower is amazing. Of course he has his highlights, right? He has defensive player to defensive player of the year awards to show for it. 
yet that Lucas step back three, it's not much for a seven-footer to do out there, right? I think back to that viral video of, of, of that courtside video specifically of Russell Westbrook, uh, somebody saying not to go inside, that's the deepest player of the year, something like that. Russ glanced at the front row and said, no, he's not. And then proceeded to take a James Harden alley-oop and dunking on Rudy Gobert's head. I think highlights are going to have a, a strong dealing in this. If the next generation wanted to say, this is your defensive player of the year, I feel like they may not understand what Rudy Gobert has meant in moments to, it still means, in moments for the Utah Jazz. And ultimately, as he said, at the end of game four, you know, F the noise. F the talk. And you know what I mean? We, we, we take care of business at hand. Tonight they have an opportunity to take care of business at hand and take a 3-2 advantage over Dallas. It'd be wild if Utah still wins that, right? I don't know, man. I said Luka was, was, was game enough to come back and get them at least one game, maybe two games. Jalen Brunson explodes for 41 points. I'm not going to lie. That may have flipped the series on his ear. We'll see what happens the rest of the way. Again, similar to the East, three of these series have the same split. Let's go to one of those other 2-2 two -two splits. Let's actually stay in the top half of the bracket. Let's talk about this Phoenix-New Orleans series because I love the energy of the New Orleans Pelicans. Of the New Orleans Pelicans. I think that Willie Green, and you guys are going to laugh, but I mean it. I, I'm so serious when I say this. You guys should pay more attention to Summer League. The reason why I say that is because if we're keeping it as current as possible while we're talking about the New Orleans Hornets or the, excuse me, the New Orleans Pelicans, let's talk about Willie Green and what he was able to do with this young team. Guys like Herb Jones, guys like uh, Najee Marshall. I think this is something that guys like Trey Murphy, I, I think this is something that people don't talk enough about. These coaches are taking summer league very serious. We already know what the players are doing, right? But there's not coaches out there going through the motions. These coaches that take newer positions, they're coaching these young guys. They're getting out there. They're getting their feet wet in the moment. New Orleans had a hell of a run in this year's summer league. This past year's summer league. Do you guys know who won the summer league two seasons ago? It was the Memphis Grizzlies. Them same Memphis Grizzlies that's led by Taylor Jenkins who hoisted the summer league trophy at the Thomas and Mack. Summer league is not just a test for these players, it's a test for these coaches and personnel as well.
Taylor Jenkins spoke about taking that experience where John Morant didn't play and using that to catapult them through last season. And now they're here, number two in the West. We're getting to that series right after this one. So let's go back to New Orleans and and Phoenix for a brief moment. This is what I meant when I said I think Phoenix gets through, but I think it has more of an effect on the rest of the playoffs depending on how long you let New Orleans hang around. I know Matt maybe was a little bit more dismissive than I was in terms of saying, well, New Orleans probably got their win already. I said, "Eh, they may have gotten one of their wins already. I like the fact that Chris Paul is chirping that Herb Jones. I like the fact that Herb Jones is talking back. I like the fact that Brandon Ingram is taking control of the team. He stepped in immediately and told Chris Paul whatever he needed to tell him, whatever he needed to tell him at the time. And if you guys are unfamiliar, yes, they have ties back to that L.A. Houston brawl. I can call it that, right? I don't know if I want to call it that, but you guys get my point. This series, again, speaking about lighting yourself on fire, like my mom talked about earlier, these two teams are on fire, and this is set for some sort of explosion. I think Phoenix still gets out of it. I've seen weird things happen. Back to those bad Memphis Grizzlies. They're locked into a tight series with a Minnesota team that if they keep this young core together, we talked earlier in in the first hour, we kind of talked actually at the top of the show specifically about the Knights and the flip-flop of sports. Five great years for an expansion team. Maybe five down years are, are, are on, the horizon, on the horizon, right? How many down years has Minnesota had recently? In terms of up years, before you talk about Kevin Garnett, you would have to go back to Jimmy Butler's year before getting to this one. That's how many down years you've had in Minnesota if they keep this nucleus together, some of these young pieces together, I'm not sure how they're going to make all of these contracts fit, especially with playoff performances um, or playoff appearances and opportunities and things of that nature and performances for a lot of these superstars or for a lot of these future potential superstars. They're locked into a 2-2 tie in a first-round series with the number two team. I know you guys may look at it and say, oh, well, they're locked into it with Memphis. Like, they're not one of the one of the whatever teams of the – they're not one of, the, one of the premier teams of the West. If you're watching the NBA this season, they are. 
They're absolutely one of the premier teams in the NBA. And Minnesota has them tied, heading back to Memphis for a game five. So at the very least, they've ensured themselves a trip back to Minnesota. For a young team, I'm not more I'm not sure what more you can ask for that. Then that rather. Aside from perhaps a series win that they still could possibly go snatch. The only series that's not 2-2 in the West is a series that could have been over last night. But the Denver Nuggets stayed alive for one, at least one more game. They stayed alive and now they see Golden State as beatable. They see them as beatable after now they were finally able to do it four games into this series. Golden State went up 3-0 and a lot of us anticipated a sweep. But reigning MVP and perhaps back-to-back. MVP Nikola Jokic said, uh-uh, not going to happen. And he made a little something happen in terms of this this uh, series because, again, you're headed back to Golden State, and that's a, a, a matchup in itself, right? However, confidence is, is, is everything. Joker's confidence can't speak for everybody else's confidence on the team, but getting a win definitely boosts whatever confidence level was at previously. I think Golden State gets it done in five. We shall see. And then we'll start to see this second round start to shape up, see which teams are allowing their first-round series to linger on a little too long. But we may be in store for only one series sweep. And that may be Boston and Brooklyn. As of right now, they have two minutes to go in the first quarter. It is 27-19. We will get you out of here. So you can still see the second half of this game. After finding out, we have two more things for you guys mainly. We have my dad's tip in, which is kind of related to the NBA, of course, right? And then we're going to give you guys some NFL news and Tell you guys to stay glued to our social medias because we have news coming out on our social medias about what this weekend is going to look like. Very, very busy weekend here in Las Vegas. Not just sports related, but sports and music related. So we'll get to it. But my dad's tip in today. This is interesting. My dad said his tip in is a tad bit of information that he read about today. Now, we know that teams spend lots, I'm talking lots of money on things that we see all the time, from stadiums to training facilities to state-of-the-art training equipment, etc. But some of the behind-the-scenes things are just as important. Case in point, just like major companies hire former hackers for insight on cybersecurity, NBA teams hire third-side coaching. In case you guys are working at home to find out what my dad's tipping is about, NBA teams hire, it's called third side coaching, to learn more about referees. They help players and coaches see the game through the eyes of referees, angles and mechanics. They actually also, they try to emphasize how to minimize foul risk and on-court applications of that said study. They also teach clients how to maintain a respectable dialogue and avoid technical fouls and build positive relationships. 
How quickly can we get Scott Foster and Chris Paul on this? I'm really mad that I'm in the studio alone today because that would have hit. God, that would have hit. But in all seriousness, I, I think it's necessary. <laughs> I think when you look at a lot of these relationships between player and referee, in some cases, hell, even coaching and referee, you have moments where you see things escalate. And for whatever it's worth, you see a level of sensitivity. We've seen sensitivity on both sides. Let's, let's, let's not point fingers. We've seen it on both sides. However, nevertheless, it interferes with the game. It does. And I think that's what people want in the game. They want human error. They want human emotion. They want all of these different things. However, there are ways to tighten it up. And if they see third side coaching as an opportunity to tighten this up, it gives you an opportunity to see it from a different vantage point. My dad gave you a case in point. Let me give you a case in point really quick. Here <laughs> at UNLV, I refereed intramural sports. Not going to lie, I had no interest in doing it at first. Zero. I'm talking zero. As a person who used to play and then eventually went into coaching, I don't want to be a referee. Why? Why would I want to do that? Until I did it. One of my supervisors, eh, a couple of my supervisors, will probably tell you, though, my, my main issue was that I wouldn't tee people up in basketball. And I wouldn't throw unsportsmanlike conduct flags in football. As a player, I hated trying to go talk to the referee and getting teed up for it. I hated it. So there were certain times where my supervisors would say, that conversation went on too long. You should have just teed the person up. Yeah. Uh, I'm a little slow to that gun. That's just me. I'm a little slow to that one. I'm a slow to that. I'm a little slow to that trigger. But whatever, I can admit that. Some of these NBA referees are the exact opposite. Somebody yells and one and they're getting teed up. Somebody says you're horrible and they're getting teed up. I'm telling you guys, without without going, without delving too deep, shout out to Ed Azam, who recently just completed his, his his final season. It was believed to be his final season at Westchester High School. Shout out to, I always say, the John Wooden of high school basketball, in my humble opinion. The 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 GOAT of it all. Um I would love to see some referees, some NBA referees, ref his games. I remember Coach getting teed up one particular year when I was in high school. And <laughs> it happened after a bad call. Ref came down. And as he was running by, ref was like, that's horrible. Or Coach was like, that's horrible. Ran by again. Coach said, I mean, awful. Something like that. Ran down again. He said, I mean, terrible. Like something. Like he kept piling on. 
He got teed up. Coach looked at him with a blank expression with his hand open and said, I didn't even say anything. Now I'm going to say something. I mean, you didn't tee me up, so now I'm going to get it off. We talked about baseball in hour number one, right? I love seeing managers get ejected in certain moments because you watch the anger level rise. I didn't even say anything to you. Now I'm going to come out here and drag this trash can here to show you that this trash can can do your job better than you. It's in every sport. It's all around the world. It's it's everywhere. Dad, thanks for that tip in. Maybe more leagues need to do it. And also, I think we also need to keep an eye on the NBA. And they're big on analytics, right? So I'm sure that they'll have some sort of numbers to show what the what 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 the interactions were before the study and what the interaction should be post the study. I don't know if it happens, but I will say I'm here to I'm here to see it. I'm here to watch it. Another thing I'm here to see and I'm and I'm here to watch as we wrap up this particular show as we are finishing our Monday episode of the Talk That Talk radio show. We appreciate you guys so much. I am your host, Terrell Chatterbox. Chatter, blah, 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 blah. That's what happens. I am your host, Terrell Chatterbox Emerson. And we've talked almost everything today. We've talked Vegas Golden Knights. We've talked Vegas Nighthawks. We've talked, what, Las Vegas Aviators. We've talked Oakland Athletics briefly. And now we just talked for about 30 minutes or so on the NBA postseason, kind of just breaking down some of these series as we obviously go along throughout this postseason ride. Conversations will be a little more specific. Some of you guys may be wondering why I didn't bring up Ben Simmons for Brooklyn. Simply put, why he's not playing. What do you want me to say? I literally have not much to say. Um, what if it turns out to be a, 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 a mental health issue? People are going to want to retract their words anyway. What if Ben Simmons has no real interest in playing basketball long term? How would we know that either until it actually happens? So, obviously, we get paid for this particular uh, take and things of that nature. But I, ju- I just want you guys to understand, in a time like this, when obviously we're, we're, we're breaking down various series and things of that nature, just not going to talk about a guy who we just don't know is going to play. We just don't know if he's going to play. So, until we know if he's going to play, which obviously he's not playing tonight, so if Brooklyn loses tonight, we're not talking about Ben Simmons until next season. So let's leave it that way. But let's talk about the NFL draft because it's out here in Vegas. It is officially draft week. The 2022 NFL draft is presented by Bud Light. I cannot wait for this experience. The draft experience and draft theater will be located behind the high roller and the link directly adjacent from the Caesars Forum, 
Now, guys, a, a couple of other things that they're that, that they're going to have on display, I should say, for you guys. Uh, the draft experience as a whole, everybody is saying that it holds its own weight as a whole, right? And then you just add Vegas on top of it. You add the 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 glitz, the glamour, the the showtime effect. And I'll be honest, guys, I think we're in, we're in for quite some quite a treat rather in this particular weekend. I think we're in for some surprises. I think we're in for some memories. And, of course, the Raiders will be on display. They'll have some Super Bowl rings on display. They'll have the Raiders Super Bowl um, trophies on display as well. Just to kind of give you guys an idea, if you guys do want to participate in the draft theater, you guys can obviously go and and, uh, show up to the draft theater, which will be, once again, uh, located directly behind the high roller and the link adjacent from Caesars Forum. Now, the NFL draft. Dreams will be made, or dreams will come true, rather. Nights will be, lives and life promises and nights will be made and things of that nature. So many questions to answer. It starts on Thursday. The draft experience is, of course, all day long. If you want to get out here and participate. There will be a live red carpet for about an hour and 15 minutes prior to the NFL draft. What's interesting, actually, before we get there, then you'll have, of course, the main attraction. You'll have the NFL draft from the main stage from five to eight. Original plans, I haven't heard them deviate too much from the original plans in terms of maybe the boat. <laughs> I haven't heard too much about the boat specifically, but the stage, um, we'll see if it's still in the middle of the Bellagio Fountains. Again, I did a little research on it. I haven't seen too much deviating from the original plan in 2020 when this draft was originally supposed to take place here in Vegas. And then after that, you have a headliner concert performance from 8.30 to 9.30. And some of those performances, or performers, rather, will be people like Weezer, Marshmello, and Ice Cube. And again, these are free concerts. So you guys can watch all of these people perform for free. Again, it happens again on Friday. Keep in mind, the draft experience is all weekend long. But on Friday, you have the draft starting at 4 p.m. from the main stage. That still goes until 8 p.m. And then you still have your headline, uh, excuse me, your headliner concert performance. And then Saturday, you have your early morning one. You have your 9 to 4 draft from the main stage. And then you have your headliner concert performance from 5 to 6. The one the one-off from their 8.30 to 9.30 performances on Friday and Thursday. So, to give you guys an idea of the way it'll look, and, I, and here actually, here we go. So, now that I'm doing more uh, just 
obviously more uh, looking a little bit. The draft theater is where the main stage will be. I was thinking that they were kind of splitting it up because originally they wanted it on the strip. So, again, considering that we're coming off of COVID, the main theater or the draft theater will be taking place right behind the link, right behind the high roller. The red carpet is actually built on the fountains at the Bellagio. Prospect interviews will take place on the red carpet. And I'm sure you guys will be talking about the fits. That's always a conversation on draft night, right? Biggest night for these guys. But let's give you guys an update on what we're doing. That's what a lot of people want to know. So for Thursday's show, we will be doing a three to five show. Pardon I'm way off on that one. We'll be doing a five to seven radio show. Again, guys, Thursday we'll be doing a five to seven radio show from Sapphire Las Vegas Gentlemen's Club. We will actually be there from five to ten. It'll be a host of other radio shows there, a host of other podcasts there. Supposedly, special guest Terrell Owens will be in the building. Thursday night, round one of the NFL draft, we will be at Sapphire Las Vegas Gentlemen's Club. Showtime is 5 to 7. I actually have a meeting right after this show work out some kinks work out some details in terms of specifics because again we're there from five until ten so see what we can try to cook up in a couple of days we did get the confirmation today so thank you to all involved thank you to brian shapiro thank you so much to brian shapiro thank you so much uh george and ashley over from sapphire we appreciate you guys and we're excited we're excited for the opportunity we will have um, our own booth there. And again, we'll let you guys know uh, again all on, on our social medias, via all of our social medias. If you guys want to go ahead and get those down once again, you guys can follow us on Twitter at TalkThatTalkLV. Once again, you guys can follow us on Twitter at TalkThatTalkLV. What's so interesting about this opportunity is it's other podcasters, it's other radio shows, it's other content creators that will be there and to have us all kind of in one spot again thank you to brian shapiro for the opportunity for the heads up and for um uh, i already set the opportunity but just for the chance once again and then thank you to ashley and uh george once again for blessing us with the opportunity to bring some content to you guys and do it in a unique way and do it in a in, in, in a in a positive way and i think it could be the start of something. I think it could be the start of something because Vegas as a whole is becoming a landmark for sports in a new way. In a new way. So you got the sphere being being built. Questions about an NBA expansion team, what would that building look like? 
regardless of the answer, I know that the way that the next, let me not even say that, for the foreseeable future, I can tell you whatever happens in sports, it will have a very, very strong tie to Las Vegas. And for the foreseeable future, I'm not sure that'll change. Until next time, guys, keep on talking.